You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Welcome to American Sex, the award-winning podcast dedicated to challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals that we have in the U.S. I'm Sunny Megatron, and my co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg. We're sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and ridiculous, sadistic kinksters. We're also non-monogamously married to each other. So strap in or strap one on. In this house, your pleasure is power. Your kink is customizable. And your subversive perversions are revolutionary. Hello, my friends. Once again, welcome to episode 205 of American Sex. Okay, so we all know about the importance of self-care, right? And we know that sometimes we can be way too hard on ourselves and that we need to practice more self-compassion or that many of us tend to put everybody else's needs before our own, right? Oh, also, we know that most of us are really crappy at boundaries. I mean, we know all of this, but on uh, more of a theoretical level, I suppose. But when it comes to knowing and doing, sometimes those can be two very different things. This week, Lee Harrington is back to tell us not just that, yes, we need to do these things, because I think we all know that, but to tell us how we can actually do them. Lee walks us through attaining self-forgiveness, self-compassion, self-care, and self-love through courting and deepening a meaningful relationship with yourself. And the kinky folks listening, you can even use the tools that Lee lays out in your self-coloring journey too. This is such a great conversation. I got so much out of it from the little steps and exercises that I can weave into my own life to, to get there to learning what a date with myself can actually look like and how I can go on solo double dates with other people and like have a date not by myself, but also by myself. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And also recognizing how learning how to deepen the relationship with myself and love myself well helps me become a better friend, a better parent, a better partner, a better colleague, etc. to other people. And I know, American fuckers, you are going to get a ton out of this conversation too. Now, if you're not familiar with Lee, let me introduce you. Lee Harrington is an internationally known spirituality, identity, relationships, and personal authenticity author and educator. He brings a combination of playful engagement and thoughtful academic dialogue to a broad audience, having taught classes and shared presentations and delivered keynotes worldwide for over 20 years. Lee is an award-winning author and editor on gender, sexual, and sacred experience, and his many books include Sacred Kink, The Eightfold Paths of BDSM and Beyond, Shibari You Can Use, Japanese Rope Bondage and Erotic Macrame, Traversing Gender, Understanding Transgender Journeys, and his latest book was just released, 
become your own beloved, a guide to delighting in self-connection, which is what the conversation you're about to hear is based on. You can check out all of Lee's adventures as well as his podcast, tour schedule, free essays, videos, and more over at passionandsoul.com. But before we roll that conversation, let's wash the balls, which is when I briefly tell you about other things we've got going on here on American Sex, aka housekeeping. But washing balls is a lot more fun. This time it's going to be short and sweet. We're going to get them clean fast. Just a quick reminder that A, a lot of what Lee and I talk about, plus information about this episode's sponsors, are in the episode description, which you can find in whatever podcast player you're listening to or at americansexpodcast.com. Plus, you'll also find lots of other discounts on BDSM gear and adult toys there. Also links to helpful freebies like my free BDSM negotiation mini workbook, the link to our Discord community, and the link to our Patreon page too, if you'd like to help support the show and my sex ed work. By the way, it doesn't have to cost you to support the show either. Your support is always appreciated in other ways as well. And those ways can be worth their weight in gold, like spreading the word. Tell your friends about American Sex Podcast. Tweet out your favorite episode. Uh, link your favorite episode on a sex positive subreddit where someone's seeking some kink advice. All sorts of ways. And of course, by giving us a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you listen to us on. That is always appreciated. Oh, also make sure you're subscribed because that helps as well. So that's it. These balls are now clean. Here is myself and Lee Harrington talking about how you can become your own beloved. Uh, Lee Harrington is back. And you just released a book, Become Your Own Beloved, A Guide to Delighting in Self-Connection. Ha ha, I am so excited. I'm excited to be back on here and yes. getting to like spend time with you. It has been too long. So real quick, real quick, your book's important, but how are you? How are you? Let's start there. <laughs> how are you doing? What's been going on? I, you know what? I'm feeling pretty blessed as it were. I, 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 for folks who follow me online, you know, I've had health ups and downs and the joy of living with complex body realities. But beyond that, I have a lot of really amazing friends and dear ones in my life. I have, like, I have amazing, I, I, I live in Denver, Colorado, which mm. is the unceded territory of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho. And I love it here. I really do. Last we talked, I was still living in Alaska. Yes. And uh, it's been great being back in the lower 48 for the last four years. And Denver is being such a good fit for me. It's got an amazing queer community, an amazing kink community. I live just a few blocks from the Denver Art Museum. Ooh. I know, right? That it's is the, amazing. It 
it feels really good to be back in a space where I'm tripping distance to coffee shops and get to live in a luscious way surrounded by a a diverse population. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that is amazing. And uh, like when you said four years, I'm like, it's been four years. How does this happen? I know. (laughs) And the answer is that COVID was a time portal. Oh, you're right. Mm -hmm. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, it's really only been like a year. If so, that that feels right. That feels right to me. Oh my gosh! I was recently talking to. I'm a for folks who don't know me at home, like in the world at large. I'm a sex educator and author, like as my full time passion and career. And I go down every four or five years to Melbourne, Australia, to get to teach at Oz Kink Fest, which is a fantastic Mm -hmm. event. Uh, it's actually two weekends in a row, one that's all shopping and fashion show and parties, and the other one that's a conference, and then also a big fetish ball. And so it's a really fun 10-day window. And they have me come down every four to five years, and I, I dropped the producer a note, and I'm like, so is that four years in calendar years <laughs> or four years in like ex- like how many events you've had years? Because uh-huh. you never know with how time has moved. Yes. And that includes things like relationships, the number of people who move from being close by to long distance, even if they were only 10 miles apart. Uh Right. Like how long was that relationship if you only saw each other, if you hadn't seen each other in two years in person, but you saw each other three times a week on Zoom? Right. How how do you count the length of a relationship? And it became really strange for a lot of folks over the past three years, including what self-relationship looks like, what, you know, coupled relationship looks like, what friendships look like. And also what simultaneous connection and loneliness ended up looking like. Uh The past three years have been really surreal in that way. And COVID is not over. I don't want people to think that in any way. People are still literally dying. Right. But we are, thanks to vaccines, we are at a different chapter Uh in the conversation. And it's one of the reasons I feel so like honored to get to have this book come out through Twin Flame at this time because we're starting to have the more nuanced conversation of shifting from self-love and what that's looked like over the past three years. Oh, you've got to make sure to do self-care. Do you love yourself? Versus what do what does a relation with ourselves look like? What does how we connect to ourselves look like, especially as we're changing how we connect to other people uh-huh. right now? Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, I was thinking the same thing. Like, there couldn't have been a better time for this book to come out. Because yes, I've been witnessing and experiencing firsthand that great, like, reordering and reckoning and (laughs) reevaluating of like, the mind fuck of, you know, (laughs) the last few whatever years. But like, um, you know, I I noticed in, in the kink community specifically, you know, a lot of people, uh, online who were interested in kink, or maybe they were kinky, but they weren't involved in community. Mm. Th- those connections and interests really took off in digital spaces. And yeah. in those digital spaces, a big conversation that came up uh, for kinksters was the concept of self-collaring. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, those who are in the king community know that that's some people are like, that's not a thing. Of course, that's a thing. We're, we're not going to get into it. Yes, it's a thing. I believe it's a thing. Just mm-hmm. everyone be quiet. Go with it. Okay. So, um, but to me, that really showed what people uh, were weaving into their self-coloring journey. It wasn't like, DS, I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to go to work out three times a week. It was this really getting to know yourself mm-hmm. and working on those boundaries and all of those things we know are good to have that are hard to actually uh manifest in our own lives um and and to me that was just a testament to to what's going on in the greater world and the collective reckoning and trauma and all the things that we're going through so let's get into the book you know become your own beloved a guide to delighting in self connection now you married yourself is that tell me about that yeah so 13 years ago or so i was on a road trip slash uh book tour for an amazing artist named Catherine valente a lot of people might know them as a ya author nowadays but they've written in on a wide array of things. And I was traveling with them doing performances that went with one of their books. And on this tour, I ended up meeting this amazing person who I was bunking with them and two other people in, you know, in our train truck, you know, train trip from Chicago down to uh, New Orleans. And we had a conversation where they said, yeah, I got myself a silver ring and I proposed to me, I married me, and it's been a whole thing around self-love. And I went, like, there was this part of my brain that just clicked and went, "Those, there's a thing here. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's a something yeah. here. And I'd been divorced just a couple of years earlier and was still, like, trying to figure out this piece of, like, well, who am I now? If mm-hmm. I am not spouse of so-and-so who am I? And so I went, you know what? It would be really cool as kind of performance art and healing from divorce. It would be kind of cool to do this as a thing. And so I got myself a, an engagement ring, a little gold band, and I engraved in it what my vows to myself would be. And then I looked at it after it showed up and I had an existential crisis. <laughs> oh no. Where I realized that there's a chance that if I asked me to marry me, I might say no. <gasps> like it was this, that that part of me that like it, that said nasty things to me. Like I don't uh... know if you've ever been that person, but where you'll sometimes, where at least I will say things to myself that if anyone else said them to me, I would you, call them on that. You kicked their ass. I know. Yes. Right. Yes. Or if somebody said it to my friend, I would mm. double down on that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do that. And yet stuff was either coming out of my literal mouth or in batting around inside my brain. That was just nasty. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so that ring sat there for somewhere between six and nine months. Wow. Like it just sat there on my computer desk being like, well, that's there. And eventually I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I went to San Francisco. I was already going to be in San Francisco, but I went to San Francisco and was down near the Gandhi statue. And I proposed to me and then about, 
two or three months later had a little ritual at an event I was going to be at the campground uh, out in the woods. And I went with myself out to the woods and had a mirror and I spoke to myself about what I wanted my life to look like. And then I came back out to where all my friends were waiting and we ate cake oh. because cake. I mean, yeah. everything's better with cake, yes, right? Absolutely. And so it's been almost 13 years. And, and you're still it, going strong. You said yes. <laughs> I said yes. Um, but it's been ups and downs. Really? Yeah. Right? Like, just like any other relationship. Like, again, there's times where I'd say I almost was an abusive spouse. Right? Where I, I've, I haven't been kind to me. Whether it's the choices of who I spend my time and energy around. Whether it is... Uh, how I take care of my body and food intake and exercise and being mindful of my own health and well-being, uh -huh. whether it is the things I say to myself, because I'm still prone towards that. It's not a perfect journey, but it's been about reconnecting with me over and over again. And then looking at, as I've been starting having these conversations with other people, looking at the different relationships we have with ourselves, period. And realizing, oh, I, I've turned into a beautiful spouse for myself, but how am I as a friend? Hmm. How am I as a lover? And the answer is I am one of my favorite lovers. I am awesome as a lover. Like, I even go to classes on how to be a better lover to me. Um, nice. So, like, I, I'm pretty good on that front. But looking at the different relationships we can have. And and part of it, like I've been really working on that over the last 13 years is the evolution of relationship with me. Yes. And yeah. looking at the fact that loving myself was great before that and even still is. And what's it look like to build relationship mm -hmm. right? with ourselves or with other people? Because doing this work with me has really helped me assess how do I start becoming a better partner to other people? How do I be a better friend to other people? Because I'm practicing it here. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it. it's, I don't know, fascinating is the right word. There aren't even words, just like, you know, people and brains and relationships just like fascinate the, the everything out of me. Right. And, you know, I look back I feel, and I'm sure we've all felt, you know, especially as we're getting to the middle age, you know, that I've lived other lifetimes. Like, I've been other people, you know, mm. way back when. And I look back at my other self, and I did not even know this was a thing. And uh, Dossie Easton wrote the foreword mm -hmm. uh, to your book and said something that I was like, yes, oh, same. It was like... I didn't even know I had a me that I didn't connect to. I didn't know I could have my own boundaries. I didn't know I could be, uh, you know, autonomous in those things that I'm doing for myself or I'm looking out for myself. I didn't know that I could put myself first or make myself a priority um, and not put other people first. Like, I had no idea this was even a thing. Um, so, and I don't, you know, I, I, I I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one in the world as I'm reading the forward to your book. And I'm thinking, you know, American fuckers listening, uh, some of you probably resonate with that too. Like, do, do you find that that is just from, from working with folks and talking to folks that that's a common thing that at some point in their lives and maybe even in the present, 
there's not even an awareness that you can have access to those things. Right. That's definitely a piece of it. And also this mythology that has been painted by a capitalistic white supremacist, blah, blah, blah culture. Um, And I say blah, 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 because it's so embedded that it hurts Mm -hmm. sometimes. So I laugh so I don't cry. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's been a story that only certain populations are deserving of the capacity to do that. Yes. Or that you only get to have that once you have money. Or that you, uh, if it is available, it's only for middle-class white women. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. like, even the books that are out there are all floral. And, and I, have a, I do have a flower on the front of the book, but it's at least not pink. Right. And I don't mean that in a bad way because that should be accessible to that population. And what about the rest of us? I was talking with a friend of mine who works construction and has a kid and has a crazy busy life. And he was like, yeah, I don't have time for dates with myself. What are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, but what would happen if you drove when you're driving your truck to go pick your kiddo up from soccer or from martial arts in their case? Like, what if on the way there you blasted the music you liked that you can't have at the job site? He was like, Oh yeah, and I'm like, what if you? Pr- what if that was a date? What if that was a way that you took care of you was honored your desires, even if it's for the next twelve minutes, mm-hmm. right? And seeing him light up at that possibility was like, oh, I am onto a something here. This reframing that that to have access to it, you have to be a certain population. No, it's about right. finding the re- finding what fits in your reality. Mm-hmm. And making that delicious, making that delightful, right? Rather than having it to only look like a certain thing, right, right. And I think for me, the the big the big thing was to overcome the fact, or not the fact, the false fact, the fact <laughs> people told me that's not true. That me doing anything even remotely like that is selfish. I, you know, need to put my family first and everybody else's needs first. And if I'm going doing something for me that is selfish, it's ridiculous. It's oh my how silly. And that now I know that's a bunch of BS, but it took a long time for me to mentally get over that, you know, that shame and that that false programming that yeah. I'm not allowed to do that or I'm a bad person. Yeah. Yeah, you are not alone in that programming. I think programming is the right way to refer to it. How many things do we say to small children? No, you can't have that toy. You have to share it with that person who literally just pulled your hair. Yeah. Right? So somebody physically violated your boundary, and now you are expected to hand over the only thing you have. Wow. What interesting things we're putting in children's heads. Oh, let me tell you. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's so ingrained in all of us. And, um, you know, for me, I've had a little bit of this journey, you know, and I've just kind of discovered these things as a, you know, I, I, I had, I, I had one 
formal date with myself in my lifetime, you know? And I was like, I don't think I was doing a thing. Like, it was cool. But, you know, now I'm like, oh, I should do that more often. Um, but you actually realize like, no, this is a thing. This needs to be talked about this. You know, you're, you have steps, exercises, all that. When did you realize like, oh no, this isn't just like a thing that I'm doing in my life. Like this is a thing. It needs to be spread out there. When did that dawn on you? Well, so I've been blogging since we called them online journals in 1998, <laughs> okay. right? I'm, yeah. one of the, I'm one mm -hmm. of those guys. Um, though for folks who don't know me, I'm transgender. I was a side female at birth. And so I started out as a way to track my sex life. And, you know, and then that turned into part of my adult film career. Uh -huh. And, but I was blogging um, this whole way through. And when I did this for myself, I had some of my people who were followers back, you know, at that chapter who was like, who were like, you, you know, you need to tell me more. Like, I want more. And so I would write a blog entry. And people are like, oh my God, I need to do a thing like that too. And I'm like, well, this is apparently resonating. And so it became a blog entry here, a conversation at a class there, an after class discussion or a coaching session discussion sometime. Like, like it became these starts and stops mm -hmm. because it wasn't one sudden floodgate. It was, oh, this thing seems to be working. Or uh, yeah, because I would talk about the date idea and I had somebody be like, oh, that's so not a thing. Going out to a meal by myself sounds horrible. That sounds anxiety provoking and it makes my stomach want to just hurl. And I'm like, I respect that. Cool, what would look good for you? And the person I was talking to said, well, I, I would love to be able to clear time to read a book in my bubble bath without anybody knocking down the door. And I'm like, what if that's what you called a date night? Uh -huh. It doesn't have to be going out for a high production thing unless that's what brings you joy. Right. And uh, I tell the story in the book about my, my mother uh, who had on her, like on her wall, she had a, a calendar listing of every single farmer's market from Vancouver, BC to Portland, Oregon. She lived about an hour north of Seattle. And that if she was, you know, feeling like she just wanted a little bit of self, you know, quality self time, she never called them dates, but if she wants some thing to either distract herself or to have fun at, because it could be either, that she would look at the wall and be like, I guess I'm going to Tumwater, right? <laughs> and she would drive to Tumwater and the drive would be a chance for her to listen to audiobooks. And then when she would get there, if she was feeling extroverted, she would talk to every single vendor. She would ask questions. She, she would say to people, oh my God, you should totally buy that scarf. Like she would do that. And if she was feeling introverted, her self time could be wandering around and not talking to people. Mm -hmm. Could be a, the, the farmer's market equivalent of window shopping. Right, right. And that either could happen, but what was mattering was that she had this list for herself ahead of time, some ideas she'd brainstormed of, if life is shitty or I want to spoil myself, what are some things I could do? She'd done that work ahead of time to brainstorm what does self-care, self-soothing, self-love, or self-connection time look like for her and it didn't look like her sisters 
Mm-hmm. It didn't look like her friends. She had her things that she'd brainstormed. And I think my mother having done that and her starting to do that back when I was in high school, I think that also stuck with me in this conversation that she was already doing that for herself. She just didn't have these words for right. it. Right. It was just, you know, that thing she did. It's interesting because now that you bring that up, I'm like, that's me in the thrift store. It's exact same. You know, it's like I go to the thrift store. It's like, woo, I could splurge on myself because splurging really isn't splurging at the thrift store. (laughs) I I'd have like, ooh, I'm gonna go to the one like, you know. 30 minutes away that I haven't been to. It's a special day. And yeah, I blast the music. I put on my playlist. Like I have a good old time. Yes. Huh. That's a date with myself. Right. But it doesn't, it doesn't look like you putting on perfume and dressing up in the the sparkly shoes or whatever. Right. Like Uh it doesn't look like that thing. And so people go, well, that's not a date then. Or I lived in Alaska for seven years. I knew guys that would book time by themselves with, you know, their two dogs to go out and spend time camping. Well, they would clearly never say, oh, I had a date with myself. At least some of these manly Mm -hmm. men would not use that language. But were they rejuvenating themselves? Were they taking their time to, to like take care of the home front that is their own body and brain? Yeah. And the answer was, yeah, they were. Mm. But when we start putting all these words on it, we start losing the why. And the why is refilling our battery Mm -hmm. or making a choice. Is it that when you're thrift shopping, you really want solo time? Or is it that you're only willing to share it with the people who you know will value it as much as you do? Oh, both. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That it could be one or the other, mm-hmm. in which case it's you having your date time that just happens to be side by side with someone you know appreciates it too. It's a double solo date, two of us. That's exactly it. Yeah. So even these things we can cons- that could be considered solo dates don't have to be alone interesting as long as it's doing the thing that helps us but to also for myself know that you know what they're like i love what i call in-city hiking right okay. it's choose a destination I, i'm a bus rider i don't have a car i most it's though i in denver i can technically ride a bus for an hour and get to the foothills and go hiking in the mountains i don't do that most of the time and so if i'm not going to drive somewhere to go hiking i can still put on my hiking boots and declare i'm going over to you know to the denver zoo and i'm right. putting on two two and a half miles each way and instead of just i'm trying to get there I'm taking my own sweet time to get there. Okay. Right? Yeah. That I'm going to enjoy the little shops I wander past. I'm going to stop and change my music on my thing. I'm going to do whatever it is I want to do. And you know what? I'll happily do that with two or three of my friends. Uh But a lot of other folks, I'm like, actually, when I've gone walking with you, you end up wanting to get there really fast. We are not a fit here. Yeah. Right? And so... It's okay to also say, I'm going to experiment doing this thing with another person, but really realizing that just because you did it once with someone doesn't mean you have to do it ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And to me, part of that is then maintaining the care of the relationships I'm in with other people. That if, and literally, I just took Poly 101 and I turned it into a monogamous thing. But <laughs> if I argue that if I am relationship A, so my relationship with me, mm-hmm. and your relationship B, your relationship with you, and then we have relationship A, B, how we relate as two people, mm-hmm. there are things that might really feed relationship A, that relationship A, B, that's not the activity we should do together to actually feed that relationship. Okay, yeah. And if it's not about activities, maybe it's about communication quality that for me i love being you know super spoily with my language i literally for a course i'm in right now i literally wrote poetry about me like that's a thing i did recently for an exercise i love that you know what my partner doesn't need most of the time love poetry there is po- they, they, they've, i've had poetry i've written about them they're like oh my god that's really beautiful thank you but it's not a core thing that feeds our relationship so me doing that for me and with me i get to share that style of love right that love language with myself that love style and yet have then something else for the two of us together and on top of that i had to figure out and this was something i only figured out in the last decade that when I was saying to my partner things like, oh, you should go for a walk. What I was trying to say was you should do self-care and self-connection. But walking was not something that helped them at all. I was projecting my self-needs on them mm-hmm. instead of saying, hey, in the future, if I notice you might find it useful to have some self-time, or some self-activities, what's a list I can know about you, my beloved, that is not me, my beloved, right? If it's you, can I make a list ahead of time? Can you give that to me and I'll give you mine so that we as a two-person relationship can support each other's relationship A and relationship B? Yes. It becomes this like collaborative self-care. Yes. Rather than me saying, you need to go walk. Right. And we are, (laughs) as humans, we are so bad at not realizing that what is our thing is not necessarily somebody else's thing. Like, we think, like, this is the best thing ever. Why don't you do that? I don't understand. Why don't you do it that way? It's easier. That's how we get into half the arguments that we do with people. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, so, you know, it's it's funny because you said that you were, you know, putting uh, non-monogamy, uh, you know, a framework over monogamous stuff or solo stuff. And I just thought of like, okay, yeah, if somebody is going to go with me, let's say thrifting, right? Yeah. There are certain people that I will bring thrifting with me every time and I know they'll enjoy it. If, you know, of course, provide they're in the mood, you know, in the same kind of excitement, headspace, whatever, as I'm in. And there are other people where I'm like, I went thrifting with you once and never again. <laughs> you know, it's like, you need to match my vibe, uh, you know, enhance my vibe, right. share my vibe, not kill my vibe. And even if, it's something like, you know, let's say somebody comes along thrifting with me and it's not necessarily their thing like it's my thing, but they can appreciate I'm having a good time. Like the concept of compersion, like have compersion for me and my thing, enjoying each other, even if it's not necessarily like your thing, but you can still appreciate it and share it with me, you know? <laughs> 
So right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So and for those, I know a lot of our listeners are you know, sex positive, and they they know these these terms from polyamory and kink. But if if somebody out there is listening and they're like, "What the heck is compersion?" Do you want to say? It? Do you want me to say it? Who? Who who wants to explain compersion? I, I'm curious if we have some more definitions. So I'll go first, and I want to hear yours okay, too. Cool, cool, cool. Compersion is the idea of finding pleasure or joy in the fact that somebody else is experiencing pleasure or joy. In the world of poly, it's got like that extra layer of they're doing it with someone else. But I think for me, compersion is just the idea that um, I'm not part of the thing, but I'm still joyous that you're enjoying the thing. Yes. Yeah. I I have a very similar view. And I like to look at compersion as I like to look at a lot of um, sex and intimacy related terms. I like to put them out into either non-sexual or like vanilla context because yeah. they are so transferable. And to me, you know, compersion is like you said, yes, in, in polyamorous and, and ethically or consensually non-monogamous situations, it's involving like I'm enjoying that you are enjoying being with another person, having another relationship, that sort of thing. Um, but I often look at it as like, you know, let's say I have a partner who loves video games. Mm. And I really am not a fan of it. I don't play video games. But I know like that is their number one hobby. They really love it. And they geek out and they're like, oh, there's this new game. And oh, and I did this. And oh, I got it. And I can appreciate the fact that they are really enjoying the hell out of it, even though maybe secretly I'm like, I hate that fucking video game. But you know what? I love you. And I love that you are enjoying yourself with that thing. And that's what counts. It's not the thing itself. Yes. What a perfect time to take a moment to stop and check in with ourselves. So tell me, how would you rate your relationship with yourself lately? Yeah, I'm talking about the sexy side of your relationship. You know, whether you're feeling confident and want to explore your innermost desires further, or if you could use a little boost in the solo love department, Dipsy's sexy audio stories, they're here to help. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. There's stories about second chance romances, hot and heavy hookups, adventurous vacation flings, and so much more. And Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, plus over half are voiced by people of color. Oh, and there's stories voiced by celebrities, too. Listen to Sharonis J. Jackson, ER Fightmaster, and Luke Cook like you have never heard them before. New content is released every week, so in between listening to those favorite stories over and over again, you'll always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories you can read too. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or heat things up with a partner. For listeners of American Sex Podcast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash sunny. That's S-U-N-N-Y. Again, that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash sunny. That's dipsystories.com slash sunny.
Can you believe that it is almost June already? And I bet you haven't even thought of a Father's Day gift yet, have you? Well, don't worry. You know I got you. And so does this episode sponsor, Manscaped. So whether you're shopping for a dad or a daddy, help that special someone in your life join the 8 million worldwide who trust Manscaped for face and below-the-waist grooming needs. And get 20% off and free shipping with my code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at manscaped.com. You know, some dads and daddies are dedicated to keeping on top of their clean-shaven look, but there are some that prefer a little scruff. And even though they do, they still like to keep things tamed and shaped well and looking and smelling great. So let's start with the Ultimate Father's Day MVP, the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Inside this package, you'll find Manscaped's signature Beard Hedger Trimmer, Beard Shampoo and Conditioner, Beard Oil, Beard Balm, and two free gifts. And if you're shopping for the Daddy variety, wink, 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 consider them the Performance Package 4.0. It includes Manscaped's signature Lawnmower 4.0, the brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. By the way, the Lawnmower 4.0 is a game changer for trimming those sensitive areas. And of course, special for you. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping with the code SUNNY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com with the code SUNNY. Hey, make this Father's Day unforgettable with Manscaped. Hey guys, I'm Holly Randall and I am an erotic photographer, director, and producer. I started a podcast called Holly Randall Unfiltered where I interview the biggest names in the adult industry. My goal with this show is to show the world what the adult industry is really like and what really happens behind the scenes, what these porn stars are actually like as people, not just as performers, and show the world this is a real job. We actually take it seriously, and we have a lot of fun doing it at the same time. So make sure that you tune in to Holly Randall Unfiltered. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it, and come learn what the porn industry is actually like. I can appreciate the fact that they are really enjoying the hell out of it, even though maybe secretly I'm like, I hate that fucking video game. But you know what? I love you. And I love that you are enjoying yourself with that thing. And that's what counts. It's not the thing itself. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like in, in this case, it would be the idea that I totally don't understand what you get out of thrifting and you come home with things that you'll only wear twice. And I just don't get it. Uh, but I see that look in your eyes, right? I see the way your smile like creeps up into little dimples. Like I see that and go, oh, I need, I need to support that. Uh I, I want to find out ways that you can have that happen because that response you're having, I want to support that. Yes. And so as partners with, you know, of people who are doing our self, you know, connection work and self-connection delight, 
what would it be like to fight to support our people in our world in how they are delighting yes like what would that look like in our relationships whether we're talking about friendships or partnerships or co-parents or whatever it might be mm-hmm. right co-workers right your yes. co-worker comes in and and vibes out for a little while about their zucchini patch and you're just like i don't get it and i can still have boundaries as a note (laughs) right yes yeah i can still be like thank you so much for sharing about your zucchinis i'm really glad you're happy we need to get to our meeting now exactly yes right this is when i'm bringing up these concepts i'm not saying don't have boundaries and you should celebrate everything nah Mm-hmm. Nah, there's right. things where it's just like, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to be part of that. You don't need to be around it. And if it's something that you actively disagree with, even if you love someone else, doesn't mean you have to be around their behaviors. Right. Or support those behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to infer right. that. There's a whole lot uh, of nuance, just like there is in everything. Yep. Right. Exactly. But to consider for ourselves what would compersion be? And you mentioned before, you know, there's a past chapter of your life. There's a, you know, past life of you. If you were you at that point falling in love with you or developing a relationship with you, there might've been a moment where you were like, you know what? I just discovered something about me. Like I'm now having some new relationship energy going on here. Like that's so cool to learn about me. But now it's 10 years later, 20 years later, hell, maybe even one year later, depending on the time dilation that was COVID. Right. (laughs) Um, But it's a year later and you find out something new about you, whether it's the actually I don't like that thing anymore or the wow, I discovered a new hobby. Suddenly there's a chance for a new NRE with you. Yes. Right? There's like a new opportunity every few years to find new things about you and therefore in turn find out things that can be delicious to connect with. Mm-hmm. And if yes. the word delicious doesn't drive with you, that's cool. You can use the word cool, right? Or awesome, right? There's lots of words we can use here. But a warning with NRE being that sometimes I've had times where I then fall for someone else, and that could be a lover, that could be a new hobby, that could be a new community, right? Uh Any sort of new connection. And I've had times where I've fallen into that and gone, oh, there's this new, exciting, new relationship energy. And then I forget relationship A. <laughs> like yes. I'm so invested in the new A, B. Yes. That I forget about A and I actually don't even notice B. I'm uh-huh. so into A, B. Yes. Right? I'm so into this thing that that I'm not noticing either of the solo ones. And I think this concept of NRE ends up becoming a new relationship energy because a really powerful one in self-love and relationship and how the two interweave with each other. Yes. Yeah. That is such an, it's like, oh, you know, everything is so great. And then it's like, well, wait, there's nuance. Also moderation. We can go off a deep end, you know, like you reel it. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's complex. And I know a lot of folks like, you know, especially pre-COVID, pre-lockdown, before we had this big reckoning, you know, there were lots of folks that would have never even entertained 
thinking about this stuff. And I have seen over the course of the last three years, those are people that are like, you know, people that are like, emotions, what are those? You know, and now they're like, so I was in therapy this week. And I'm like, wow, like we have grown, you know. Um, So there's a lot of folks right now who are like ready to do the work but have come from a place where maybe their prior self was last year. And mm-hmm. that prior self was like, what do you mean grow? I am who I am. What do you mean learn about myself? I know who I am. And really, they don't. They think they do. You know, and so they, they've come from being that person to realizing like, oh, shit, there's more. I can learn about myself, but it's still scary because I'm still mm-hmm. too close to that other lifetime where I was like, this stuff is ah, baloney. Um, so how do people like that, one, overcome the the scariness of like the the unknown part of ourselves? And and discovering that and going on that journey. Um, and also taking those practical steps like what do you do first what what are some of the things you can do to to get comfortable with getting to love and have a relationship with yourself right uh, thank you for asking i think for me there two of the big ones that i found useful um is uh pen palling and asking questions and pen palling is literally what it sounds like it's writing yourself a letter putting it in the mail and waiting for it to come back. And if you live solo, it's also kind of cool because you get something in the mail that isn't a bill. So yeah. um, so if that is your reality, but having it start out with, this might be stupid, but I'm writing myself a letter and write for a couple pages mm-hmm. and see what comes out of it. Or maybe you're not a writer, but you could draw some artwork to yourself or clip out some memes or do whatever, right? And if and if sending mail is going to be weird because you live with other people or it feels a little strange, uh, making a private blog or making an audio recording on your own phone talking to you. But the key part is then not listening to it for a minimum of a day, preferably two or three. Okay. And the reason for that is if we listen to it back automatically, we're still in the same mindset. Mm-hmm. It's a little judgmental of the fact that we just recorded a stupid recording. Mm-hmm. As compared to making a little note on my Google Calendar that says, listen to that dumb audio recording. Mm-hmm. And I say dumb because I'm making like that emotional state that I've been in for myself. Right, right. right? And then suddenly it's two or three days later, I listen to that audio recording and I'm like, wow, I didn't know I was feeling that way that day. Because unless you're an active journaler on a regular basis, there's times where we fill in the story of how we were thinking that day. Right, we start painting a story of what it was like then, as compared to actually listening to ourselves ah. and doing that four or five times back and forth of the practice of listening to yourself. Like once it gets externalized, it's outside of your head and how it's being batted around by some angry ferrets. But you get that idea out of your mouth or out of your fingers, and then listen to it again and again. Starts developing part of that relationship. The active process of learning how to listen to you. And then the other one, if that's it's if that's like, wow, that's a lot of investment. I don't know about it. My other one is to get one of those 150 questions for new relationships kind of books. 
you know. Yeah. Everything from what's your favorite color to what holidays matter to you. And there are things that you would ask on first dates with people and getting one of those books and filling it out for you. Mm -hmm. Answering those questions for you and answer them what your answers are actually today. And I say that on purpose because I had a story for the longest time that the holiday that I really care about all the time is Halloween. That's my answer. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. And then I stopped one day and I'm like, it's not really Halloween. Like you, you don't actually care if you play dress up or not. What matters to you is Samhain. What matters to you is an opportunity to venerate your ancestors. That's what you actually care about. But I was saying Halloween because it was an easy way to phrase it in a way that wasn't scary for folks who weren't of my religious path. Right. But once I stopped and went, actually, what you're saying is that your faith matters to you. What you're saying is that remembering your mother, even though she's no longer in this plane, matters to you. Uh That's actually what's going on. And yet I'd been saying the same exact thing for 30 years. Yeah. And so to stop when you're do if you're if you decide to go that book route. To stop and go, is that actually your answer? Because even something as simple as what's your favorite food Mm -hmm. might not be the same answer as it was three years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's another thing that us humans are horrible at is admitting when we don't know everything or we could be wrong or we, you know, were mistaken, didn't know, change our mind, etc. And it's hard enough to do that to other people, much less to ourselves like mm. come on you know and it's funny because i used to be that person who i would listen to like oh yeah go go do this workbook or go do this journaling and and, and i think to myself like i know the answer like and then i did it and i was like oh okay uh you know and, and it's the same reason i tell folks Um, who are exploring kink or sexuality, like sit down with that, you know, the yes, no, maybe list of, you know, all the lists of things you could possibly do or kinks you can engage in, et cetera. And the first time you do it, don't do it with a partner. Do it with yourself to figure Mm. out, because you might be like, oh yeah, electric play. And you never really sat and thought about it until you sat with that sheet and you were writing stuff down. Um, So we are really good at, I don't want to say fooling ourselves because that sounds negative. I think it's just human nature. We we know what we know at that moment. And we think like, you know, our knowledge base and our universe and everything in that moment is a static thing. And then we've all had those experiences when we look back at a moment in our lives where we were like, I know everything. I, there's nothing I have. I'm, I don't need to grow. I don't, I'm, I'm great. And we look back and we're like, oh, poor thing didn't know it darn thing i thought i knew (laughs) oh yeah and every day is like that like i look back at every yesterday like oh i'm different today (laughs) right and it's amazing the power of asking ourselves and food's a great example unless for those of us who have food trauma in which case don't necessarily this might not be a good fit for you but pausing and asking yourself what do you want for dinner what would it be like? And same thing with going to the grocery store. What do I want to purchase? Are you buying the exact same items that you're all, when you're at the grocery store, you always buy one head of broccoli, one package of mushrooms, one zucchini, you know what I mean? Like, are you, and if the answer is actually you are someone who finds profound comfort 
in having the same shopping list or when you go to that Greek diner, you always get the exact same omelet. If you're that person, really anchoring in for yourself, yeah, I'm that person. And isn't it comforting? Yes. Isn't it good that I'm that person? Like, instead of saying, oh, yeah, I guess I'm that person and shrugging about it, go, yeah, I'm that person. Here's the things that it saves me time in my life, right? As compared to if you're going in, into that you know, produce section and you're like one head of broccoli and you pause before you get to the mushrooms and go, but what, what do I actually want to make this week? What do I actually want to cook? Do I want to get two th- things of mushrooms this week? Like, and, and maybe consider for yourself to pause and give space for the back of your brain to answer that question rather than being on automatic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would love to talk about how all of this self-love and self-knowledge and self-exploration plays into um, boundary setting, but like that's such, such a, a small little phrase for such a big thing. Um, you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, I look back again at my past self, or I look at folks who, um, you know, coaching clients, people just getting into like exploring alt sexuality or kink and whatnot. And a lot of times the question is like, okay, sure, great. I need to advocate for my needs and boundaries, but I don't know what I like. I actually don't know what I like. Um, mm-hmm. So how does figuring this stuff out, figuring out who you are and what you like lead to better boundary setting and all of those great things that we we attain to be? Thanks. Some of the ways it's been helpful for me and some of the people I've talked to is that if I have an awareness that I need time to process after a big thing happens to me, like I've realized that about me, that that might have me pause and go, oh, well, that might apply to what gets called aftercare in kink. That if we're going to do this big thing, I might need more processing time. So there's those those kinds of places where we can uh, extrapolate it onto other situations. Mm-hmm. The other one that uh, I'll actually give an example that's that's in the book is let's say you're joining a sports team, mm-hmm. right? You're joining a sports team, and that you really want to be part of this sports team, but you only have three nights a week to give. And the person who is the coach is just like, you know what? I hear that you're, you want to only have three nights a week, but we always need to get together on Thursdays. And I'm like, Thursdays are the night I have with my kids. No, I can't do that. But maybe you'll offer a volley back of, well, you know what? Like, I, I, is the question that you want me here on Thursdays or is it that you want to make sure that I put in this many hours? In which case, is there a way that I can get together with some of the other people on the team and drill on Wednesdays when I'm available? That ends up exp- like going into our kink as well, right? If somebody says to you, "I really want to do, uh, I really want to do spankings," that would be so hot. And I'm like, you know what? I have bad memories of spanking from when I was a kid. I I don't want to do that, or it might simply be no. You don't have to have a reason for everything, uh-huh. but I don't really want to do spanking. But the idea of really intense sensation sounds cool to me. 
what other toys do you have? Right? What other things could we do? And so learning that system of when you hear a thing or you think about a question and it comes to you and you built this skill set around listening to you, uh-huh. suddenly now when somebody's offering you a kink or a sexuality concept, you can go, oh, check with my body, check with my brain, check with those things I've been practicing with something as simple as, do I want to buy more mushrooms this week? But you've been developing a muscle of practicing hearing a question and responding. Yes. Based in your own self-care and your self-relationship. And so somebody says, oh, I really want to do spanking. Oh, the idea of an intense sensation sounds really cool, but spanking totally hits all my wrong buttons. Uh, what, do you else, what else you got in your kit? <laughs> and it's not shutting down a potential lover or play partner it's saying, I still want to do something. What else can we make happen? Mm-hmm. And the magic of collaboration, having practiced collaborating with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Collaborating with yourself. Like that is just, that is everything. And I, you know, I bet you if you were to do, what is the talk show where they, they go out on the street? They're like, oh, I'm just going to ask random people questions, you know? <laughs> I mean, if you were to ask the average person questions on Hollywood Boulevard, like, you know, do you collaborate with yourself? And you're just people are like, of course I do. They don't. They don't. They don't even realize they don't. Um, so what else? What else can you tell folks that, you know, let's say, because I, I, again, I always have this imaginary, fictitious listener whom we call American fucker, who's like, you know, I invent their lives for them. They've been that past life. They're listening. It's resonating. Something's like sparking in the brain. And they're like, okay, I'm almost there. Almost clinched this whole relationship with myself thing. But I'm still a little, you know, um, what else can A, they do to make it feel more comfortable, or B, are the benefits of this? Something that you can get out of this, doing this work, and it is work, but it's also play, right? You don't have to be, you don't have to be solemn about something to be serious. Um, is building more skill sets for understanding the whys when things don't go how we thought they were going to go. <gasps> oh, you just when we hit have to- me in my heart. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when we are needing to forgive ourselves. Yeah. Because building that connection ahead of time allows for that moment too of saying, hey, sorry, I fucked that up for us, us being singular in this case. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I fucked that up. And it's let me have some of the chance to go, oh, but. But what was happening there? What what led to that happening? Because if there wasn't something that we were getting out of a situation, there's a chance it might not have happened. Mind you, actual shit happens, happens. Because uh-huh. I don't want to create some sort of mythology of, you know, like if you hadn't been wearing that outfit, the bad thing wouldn't have happened. Like, <laughs> scrap right, that right. bullshit, right? Yeah. Um, but having those moments where I'm like, you know what? I should have taken out the trash last night. I'm an idiot. Why didn't I do that? And then pausing and going, well, I I didn't do it because my back hurt. And by me having time on the couch, I'm actually not suffering today. So I have an annoyance today, but I'm not 
suffering because I actually listened to some other part of me and some other need. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it's that I made a choice to be in a friendship relationship with this person over here who was actually pretty toxic to me. But I realize it's because I was helping the part of me who really wanted someone to go thrift shopping with me. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they were someone who liked thrift shopping. And I didn't look at the rest of it because I was looking for somebody to thrift shop with me. Right. And so practicing for me that listening skill with myself has let me look at the bigger whys of why things have happened when I've done things that aren't healthy for me or aren't what I wanted to do and given me a little bit more grace for me. Uh And that grace and not spending time on the self-anger and giving other people space for rent in my head. Uh-huh. Right? Like, instead of doing that, giving myself a little less of that and a little more understanding. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And I mean, that's, God, that's everything. That is everything. You know, it's like, this is why we're in therapy because, you know, not I'm generalizing, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's only one reason we're all in therapy. We all have the same problem. We have human brains. That's what, you know, they're imperfect. But um, yeah, you know, it's that not being able to forgive that is a huge theme or even being able to admit to yourself that you did something that was less than perfect, that, you know, maybe wasn't the best decision at the time. And a lot of us stop at like, and that hurts. And then it's like, the wall goes up, and we either like, ignore it, deflect, or like, you know, put up our force field and bounce it back to somebody else. And, you know, and be like, oh, yeah, well, you didn't blah, 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 last week. Don't notice what I did over here. You know? <laughs> or, or we take on or we take on everything from a situation. Right. 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 And are like all the things that both of us did wrong. I'm just going to take all of it and put it on me. Which also doesn't give them space for them to forgive themselves. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which that. Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a right there. Hits home. Oh, yeah. It's why in the book, like I'm like. Do not take a, like in the, in the exercise for that chapter, I'm like, do not take a big issue. Take something like I didn't take the trash out. Start with something small when now doing this exercise sheet. And at the very bottom, like, did you forgive yourself? If not, why? Yes. Yeah. Because it's okay to get to the end of a list of like, okay, I'm doing all these steps on how to forgive myself. And you get to the end and just says like, now nah, you are an asshole. Okay. Let's take something even smaller. Yeah. Because again, going to building these muscles, for those of us who haven't done these in our lives, or if you have the embedded inner insert family member here, right? Your inner uncle, your inner mother, your inner whatever. If there is a voice that has, again, is taking up rent in your head for free, if that voice is still there, it might take a while to be able to get to a point where you can forgive yourself for not taking the right pair of shoes when you were leaving for the office today. Uh That might take a lot of work because you have that thing that's in there. Yes. That might seem like, oh, you're criticizing it yourself. Is it you or is it your inner uncle? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Right. Um, And especially I know for cisgender men or in general people who are socialized male who had that one voice who said, man up. 
Uh-huh. Or you can do better than that. Or don't complain. Like the versions of you're not allowed to have boundaries. Right. That are given to so many people socialized male in our culture. And it's not to say that women don't have this experience too, but I have met so many wounded men. Uh-huh who are carrying around that inner voice of their father or their mother or their right. whoever, who think it sounds like their voice. And until you that we start doing this work, you might not realize it's not your voice that's in your head right now. Yes. Yeah. And that's part of teasing out that can take time. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, if what, if, if what you can do out of doing, you know, this work slash fun of self-discovery and self-connection. If all you get, having listened to this podcast for an hour, if all you get is that self-connection can look like whatever the fuck makes you happy. Yes. Right? If that is literally simply listening to Megadeth on your earbuds for five minutes a day, if that's what does it for you, you do you. Like, that's pretty radical for a lot of us. Uh five minutes what can you make happen yes yes i love it i love it and you know when you were talking one of the things that really uh resonated with me and that i think it's it's not a lot of it's societal you know society tells us to value things and you know it's society sometimes it's our mother it's our you know but it's really a reflection of what we all believe oh yeah you know that uh, we attach value to things and not just value to the thing, but value, you know, what that means about my value as a person yes. to things where it is not logical. And like right. relearning that emotional logic or not even relearning, relearning it for the first time, you know, yeah. Um, it, that's a little, that's a chore. You know, I know for me, one of the things was um, cleaning. There's a, a, an author that I follow like on TikTok about Casey Davis, who has a, a quick little short book about like cleaning and resetting your house and detaching the value or what it means about you as a person if your house is clean. And a lot right. of us have that trauma, you know, of like, oh, my house is dirty. There's dirt dishes in my sink. I'm a horrible person. I'm gross. I can't cut it. Why, why am I not respond? Why can't, why don't I have the energy? All the things. Right. And detaching that value judgment and looking at it logically. And, you know, for me, it was like, it's just silly little things like the dishes would pile up. And then the more they piled up, the more I'd look at that pile of dishes and it would be overwhelming. And I'd Mm -hmm. say the bad things to myself and I, you know, put it off and put it off and put it off. And I never thought I could just do a few dishes. Like I was like, I have to tackle all those dishes. And what I do, I got to clean. The kitchen's got to be sparkling. I have to live up to my expectations of what? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, you know? Right. And then when I realized like, oh, that's all bullshit. I can do dish. And to, now I, I do dishes for the 10 minutes it takes my coffee maker to as many dishes as I get done, I get done. The ones I don't, I don't, and that's it. And I've also looked at, and this is like a a social media, I don't know, cheeky joke of like, oh, tomorrow me will thank me for doing this kind of thing. I started just saying that as a joke, you know, because people were saying, and I was like, no, really, like tomorrow morning, half asleep me is going to love that I got my coffee cup ready and it's all, all I got to do is uh-huh. pour the thing. And, and now when I do it, I do it like, 
you know, when you have like a a, a partner and you're like, I'm going to do this sweet little thing for them that they're really going to appreciate when they see that I've done it. I kind of like have that vibe when I'm doing it for my like tomorrow me that doesn't uh-huh. exist yet. Um, and it's it's weird little like seemingly inconsequential things like that that it's like, oh, that makes all the difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I learned that uh, that piece not from that uh, person, but back from being in drug culture in the late nineties. Mm, mm-hmm. Was literally I, you know, would go and get myself orange juice and things for rolling, and uh, the next morning, you know, it's stupid a.m. or stupid in the afternoon, depending on what the choices were that were made. And I stumble out and I go to get things for friends, and I'm like, "We have fresh orange juice. <laughs> Who brought us fresh orange juice?" And I'm like. Wait, my past me is an excellent service submissive. Yes! <laughs> like, I applied all the shit from having been in MS relationships, master-slave or mm-hmm. mistress-slave dynamics. I, I applied all of that shit for just being nice to me. Yes. And if we take that then to what we were talking about earlier of self-collaring, right? It Even whether you use that language or not, what would it be like? to serve future you mm-hmm. or to appreciate the quality service of past you. Yes. Right. Whether you use that language or not, or if you are somebody who identifies on the left side of the slash, as it were, right. M- mistress, owner, dominant, etc. If you are someone on that, what would it be like to say, I deserve excellence. Ooh. I am wor- I am worthy of receiving service. I am worthy of receiving care. Eh, and the bottom happens to be me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but to practice no, the skill no, set no, of receiving topping. excellence. You're just service topping yourself. That's all. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's building the practice. And I will, and but to note, I know a lot of folks who want to be service receivers that or they want to be dominance or they want to be whatever but don't have the skill set for receiving it from someone else practicing receiving it from you oh yeah that's a way to be sneaky to your own brain to learn that skill set yeah you want to receive it from your submissive what would it be like to practice with you mm-hmm. and i yes. love that you bring up the 10 minutes of uh 10 minutes of dish de- doing. Uh-huh. I wish I could remember whose um, TED talk I watched on it, but it was somebody who was talking about how they were told they had to put away laundry and the laundry always, they did the laundry, but it always just lived in the baskets. Putting it away, away never worked. They were the, yeah. yeah and me. what they then realized is how much time they were wasting being mad at themselves and putting the, the things in the shelves. So what they did is they built in their laundry room basket spaces <gasps> yes for just putting their clean lot like they just only had they stopped having a, a, a drawers anymore right and they just put in a whole bunch of baskets and then they filled it up a basket and they shoved it in there they didn't have to yell at themselves anymore they knew where everything was yes and they weren't having go between rooms any of that stuff the one thing that brought them stress was i don't put away the thing in which case go right that's awesome right they did the thing yes yes and it's like and again it's back it's like we're full circling so much here it's like a big spiral of doodles um but yeah it's back to like that value judgment well like 
good normal people have dresser drawers and closets and fold their clothes. Who says? Who made that mm-hmm. rule? Who says only good? Like, no, good people figure out a system that works for them, no matter what it is. Like- <laughs> and as a note, those systems have changed over time. Mm-hmm. Right. And our different culture to culture, the difference between if how you store your laundry is in trunks and uh, and those kinds of containers versus shelves versus ha- having things in drawers are incredibly different based on socioeconomic things, incredibly different based on where you are around the world, mm-hmm. are very different based on snapshots in time. And so even the story of this is how we do it. Mm-hmm is based on who got to produce the magazines in the 1940s and 50s. Yep. That's who got to determine Mm -hmm. what this shit looks like nowadays. But you know what? We're 80 years later, and we get to make our own systems that don't have to be determined by, at the end of the day, advertising executives from the 1950s uh, pandering to middle-class white women. Yes. Yes. So specifically male executives pandering to this population, that's what stratified some of those stories. And I love that you brought up that culture embedded that story of cleanliness in your head because it might not be your uncle. It might be your inner Vogue magazine. Mm-hmm. It might be your inner men's monthly. Mm-hmm. Right? So considering as well where these stories come from and how we make our lives serve us. Yes. My boy and I just had our two-year anniversary, and when we had our collaring ceremony, one of the things we had in it was specifically said was, they are a bad step-in-line submissive, and I am a bad remember-all-the-rules daddy. (laughs) So, like... So this is what our relationship looks like, like as we were describing it out loud so that our our friends of community could support us in our vision. Uh And... To own that we are who we are, for them, for my boy to have the bravery to say to themselves, instead of saying over and over again, I'm a bad submissive, I'm a bad submissive, I'm a bad submissive, to say, I'm a bad submissive, I'm a great boy. Yes. I am a loving butch who is literally our first standing DS order, Uh like our first standing order in protocol was you will woo me. (gasps) Ooh. Cause I am a femme and they are a butch and I want to receive that. And I gave them a context within the protocol of our relationship for affection and romance to exist. (sighs) And so that was me having the bravery to say, I miss being wooed. I have spent so many years recently being wooed over the past decade mm-hmm. or be wooing others. Mm-hmm. I want to be wooed. And they're looking for something where they can still feel like they are doing my orders, but they're bad at remembering orders. They can remember, though, coming out of butch femme culture, they can remember my partner deserves to be wooed. Ooh. So it's both of us having the bravery to figure out who we are, even if it's a baby step at a time. Yes. To then apply it to the relationships that we're in. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I love all of this. And one one final thing I want to say before we, final thing. we tighten right. this up is like, 
as I was reading through, I really appreciated when you give the different exercises and suggestions every time it's like, you know, like you even now, like you, you can you can write, but, but if writing's not your thing, or like if you are neurodivergent, and that's not your thing, or if you have, you know, any kind of limitations, and you you give lots of options for folks, um, you know, and to me, that's a way to to let folks know, like, hey, you ha- you have options. Like you can do what works for you. You can customize what works for you. And the uh, the laundry conversation because I have the same thing. To me, it's neurodivergence. Like I do not do drawers and closets and organize. It does not. Nope. 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 And I love that uh, you also had in in there the uh, what is it the neurodivergent? Uh, uh, oh, what is it the love languages? The neurodivergent oh, love yeah. languages. And, yeah. yeah. And and just in general. I love that we're talking about neurodivergence more, that we are, and even for people who are neurotypical, which is neurotypical, you know, it's like, I think we're all various shades somewhere. (laughs) Um, But, you know, just opening up that conversation that we all think differently. Mm -hmm. We all have different needs when it comes to our systems, the way our brains work, and that's perfectly okay. And to, to figure out what our brain is doing what our what right. our systemic or systems needs are <laughs> and to go for it and do those laundry baskets or whatever so yep. um i just want to plant that in in listeners brains and and just say that out loud because it's a I huge think we piece just, of it yeah i think we should just care like i think we should just refer to all self-love as doing the laundry basket thing yes like or you know like i think we can make it more playful that way yes. too. yes yes Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's make it more playful. Let's make it less scary. Yes, yes, yes. So where can folks find more you, book, self-love stuff? Tell us all the all the places and the things. Yeah, uh, you can find my website at passionandsoul.com. And on social media, I'm pretty much passion and soul everywhere. Uh that that's one of the easiest ways to find me is all of those different social media feeds, whether that's FetLife or Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all that stuff, right? Um, the book you can find Become Your Own Beloved. Uh, if you type in Become Your Own Beloved, you find uh, stuff is up on Amazon as well as on other carriers of stuff. And uh, gosh, other ways you can find me and find these things. Uh, I think the big thing when you start having these conversations with yourself is as you Google and search for these different systems and concepts, yes, please start there. And at the very back of my book, I actually have, did you enjoy this? Here's like 30 different other places <laughs> to go from here based on, are you a, are you a social media person? Are you an audio person? Are you a book reader? Are you a whatever? Um, but the big thing is just like the laundry assumptions of where you put it. If you're reading about a thing and you go, you know what, I'm only two paragraphs into this entire article and it's by some famous person and it jives not with me at all, part of caring for you is to also say, that tool, I don't need to spend any more time reading it. It's okay to set that down, even if it is the best thing since sliced bread, according to my coworker or according to my partner, it doesn't have to be yours. So to look outside of necessarily what everybody else is, start with those, but to also know and to have some of that bravery to set those things aside, because you don't have to spend, if you don't want to, 10 hours reading that one book that you knew halfway through chapter one. 
wasn't going to be the self-love or self-care or self-relationship book for you. But if you get mine, you get halfway through chapter one and you're like, this is so not my thing. Skip to the very back of the book (laughs) and look in the further sections for all of the different people that I talk about there. It's there's some really amazing stuff out there. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. I love talking to you. I love I, your brain so much. Oh, like I just, yeah, so good. Yes, so yes, good. yes, yes. And uh, let's make it sooner than like four years. Really? Like, come on. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll do we'll we'll talk again more often. I love uh, this plan. Yeah, very cool. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you, Lee. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. What's that? You want more? Well, you can start by streaming our TV show on Showtime, Sex with Sunny Megatron. Then pop on over to SunnyMegatron.com. Everything's there. You can get updates on my new book, check out my sex ed and BDSM workshops, learn how to book me for your organization or for coaching. You know, we also want to hang out with you too, right? So come join our Discord community. Or follow along on TikTok or Instagram, Twitter, all the social media. I'm Sunny Megatron everywhere. And you can catch Ken on Twitter or tune in to his weekly D&D games on Twitch. If you want to support the show, a great way to do that is simply to tell people about it. Make a TikTok or tweet about your favorite part of this episode. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review too. And if you're a ride or die American fucker, you're going to want to join our Patreon community. We'll send you official American Fucker stickers, and you'll get a lot more too at patreon.com slash American Sex. Now, just in case you happen to be one of the few that still has disposable income in this late stage capitalist hellscape, well, when you're shopping for a new sex toy, BDSM gear, Kink Academy membership, or other things, please patronize our sponsors and affiliates. You'll get a discount and it helps us too. Win-win. All those links and codes are in our show notes. Thanks, American fuckers. We appreciate the heck out of you. See you next time.